Oh, hey, what's up? You're tuned into From the Ground Up, the podcast where culinary entrepreneurs share their stories. I'm your host, Danielle Berg. On today's show, I'm talking to Arlie Marks. Arlie is the co-owner of Honeys in Bushwick, Brooklyn. We're actually on the roof of Honey's right now, and Arlie's right next to me. So hi, Arlie. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks. Hey. Thanks took for us, having me. Took us a few minutes to get set up, but we're here. We're here. <laughs> what's um? What's the noise you were just telling me about over there? Oh, behind these uh, banquette walls are all of the uh, exhaust and HVAC units for Bunker Vietnamese. Right next door, they're our neighbors. Oh, right, right, yeah. right. So how's it going? How's things been at Honey's since pandemic has um it's been interesting i um you know it's a it's been a like i i think it's a been positive challenge really early on i probably a week into the initial quarantine period we started doing delivery um and uh that actually went really well and then uh we were just, I just was, I just started putting up like Instagram menus um, and with a phone number and people could call and then I would go out and do deliveries at night. And um, that worked really well for about a month and a half. And, and, and then people's habits have changed now that, um, you know, not everyone is quarantined at home as much. And so we're just trying to, you know, adapt week by week. And it's hard, it's hard not being able to make long-term plans. You were doing all the deliveries yourself. Yeah, yeah. That's I was here. I was here alone, and I would just, um, I would, I would do little like Instagram stories with the new like wines and stuff, and then Ooh. put up a little like teaser video with a phone number, and people would call and place orders, and then I'd pack them up and go out and deliver them. On bike or in your car? In car. Okay. <laughs> just the Brooklyn I have, area. I, you know, we did Brooklyn, Manhattan, Queens, and there was no traffic, so it was amazing. I. Um, you know, I deliver in Red Hook and then go up to Harlem, you know, and that was like what would be like an hour and a half drive uh, during normal city traffic it took 15 minutes. And you said you were bottling up cocktails? Yeah. What yeah. were you making? We are making a bunch of different cocktails. Um, I've been trying a, a few different recipes, uh, a couple Negronis. Um, they're really shelf stable, more like a spiritus drink bottles really well. Mm -hmm. So we have uh, a mezcal Negroni with Yola mezcal and um, really good Spanish sweet vermouth and uh, the Fourth Have Red Bitters, which is uh, a, like a Campari analog made by these guys, um, Fourth Have Spirits. They're right over in the Pfizer building on, um, I guess they're on Flushing, right oh. over here. That's they fun. make really good stuff. Yeah, so we have a Negroni with that and then we have another gin sort of clear Negroni that's made with Memento Mori, which is one of the meads that we make. It's one of the botanical meads, so it's foraged dandelion blossoms and greens and roots with a honey-based wine. Wow, And then that delicious. has a French aperitif, so that's like a nice, like, sort of spring, earthy Negroni. Yum. Yeah. That's fun. It's, like, yeah. fun to try to figure out what would taste good bottled up. Yeah, yeah. Um, what else do we have? We have um, a drink that I, also with Mezcal, that I made really early on for the Yola Mezcal Instagram, um, which was a, uh, it was like, 
how can we make a fun cocktail while in quarantine? So it was all with uh, bodega ingredients. So it was like canned pineapple juice and lime and bitters and uh, mezcal and things like that. So we're still making that. It's Ooh. a little bit a little bit different now, but that's fun. Tropical little bottle cocktail. So I know what Honey's is, but I'm sure people who are listening might have never heard of it. So yeah. can you tell everyone kind of what Honey's is all about? Yeah. Well, Honey's, so we're, we're located in this funny little zone of East Williamsburg, technically, although we call it Bushwick because uh, it's close to the Jefferson L, but we're just past Johnson and Flushing. And uh, so at Honey's, we have a production facility. We're a New York State farm winery, technically. Um, so we're making um, a bunch of different products. Most of them are uh, what we would call mead. Um, which is uh, wine made from honey. And so we're making some really simple sort of natural mead, very much in the realm of natural wine. Um, so it's dry, it's a little funky, and we have some that are more wines, and then we have some that are more in the aperitif, digestif realm, so you would mix with cocktails or something like that. Um, so we have the production space, and then next to it we have our bar, um, which normally we invite people into. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's like our, it's, it is our tasting room, but it's really formatted as a cocktail bar. Um, and we have a beautiful rooftop, which we're sitting up on it's so now. Nice. Yeah, we have a beautiful garden. Um, Cute little lights hanging. Yeah. The garden is um, uh, run by this woman, Nane, who has a, a project called Pioneer Flora, and she um, is an herbalist. and planted all these amazing medicinal plants that surround us they are beautiful yeah i was saying earlier it's like the perfect little spot for a dinner party yeah 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 well yeah now no now the roof is uh open for private events if anyone's interested yeah <laughs> you should get on it i would definitely do that so yeah how do you make mead i mean i tried it once from, yeah. from you guys and it was oh, so yeah. delicious oh because after Thanks. we did that event arlie and i did an event together for the botanist gin yeah and then some of my coworkers came here and yeah. got some of your meat and brought it yeah, back yeah, yeah, and it yeah. was so good. Yeah. But oh, I literally cool. know nothing about it. And yeah. I feel, like, I feel like people who are listening who also don't know about it, maybe yeah. they would only know about it from like sure. Dylan Sprouse. Totally. <laughs> right. He he's that, the other, he's the other mead maker in town, <laughs> which actually it's sort of cool because I feel like he's like a cool guy. So oh. that helps us because mead is not cool really. You know? yeah, I, it sounds cool. I'm into it. Cool. You know, well, so mead, mead in its simplest form is just a wine uh, fermented from honey. So when you're making a grape wine, you would juice, you'd have juice from grapes that has a certain sugar content. And basically what we do is we take honey, um, really good raw honey from the Finger Lakes, and we dilute it down to have the almost the exact same sugar content that a grape juice would have. So you would mm -hmm. end up, after fermentation, having a wine that is 12, roughly 12% 12 alcohol. And so that, that's mead in its simplest form. So it's just wine fermented uh, from honey um, rather than grape juice or whatever. But the fun thing about making mead is, especially in New York State, there's all of these amazing ingredients. We have access to apples, cherries, elderberry, black currants, all this stuff that grows really well in New York State that you might not be able to make a, a wine out of, mm -hmm. per se. Um, and so when it's combined or you co-ferment with honey to give a little more sugar content you're able to actually make a wine yeah so we play around a, a lot with co-ferments and things like that so wine and apples or 
wine with black cherry and currants or things like it's that. It's so fun. Yeah, it's fun. And it's fun because you get to be a little more playful. It's a little bit more like cocktail making. Yeah. Um, and you go you go foraging for most of the ingredients or now you, you're sourcing them from like local farms and stuff? It sort of depends on what it is. You know, we get um, a lot of the like apple yeah. juice or cranberry juice or uh, black currant cherry juice stuff like that from uh, really good organic growers in the Finger Lakes that do their own pressing um, and then if you know with the dandelion wine that's still all foraged um, we have a sparkling apple cherry um, mead that is infused with sumac and rose hips and the sumac and rose hips we forage Wow. Um, yeah so we just like you know we go out with um, we have a rotating cast of characters that will sort of uh, get <laughs> get to help go out upstate. You were just out foraging in Maine, right? Yeah, a little bit more of a vacation um, up yeah. in Maine, but it was there was a lot of clamming and there was all kinds of. I've, I've been going up there every year to work on a foraging project with uh, Tara Norvell and Katya Tausig, who are two chef friends, and. Uh, so there's a bunch of spots that we've discovered over the years where we can get stuff. So I made a point to revisit that. There's a, a beautiful little island next to a lighthouse off of uh, North Haven Island where we get um, surf clams. Um, and then a little bit further from there, there's sea urchin that you can dive for. Wow. And this time, I hadn't actually been this early, but there was a ton of mustard greens on all the beaches beautiful mustards that were just budding a little bit and so we just picked all the tops and it was so delicious. What'd you do with it? Um, we actually just cooked it right on the beach with in a little with in seawater. We just blanched it really quick in seawater and ate it with some steamer clams that we found. And I mean I love bopping around Maine, going to little islands and I go diving a lot so um, just free diving with a snorkel. So it's pretty easy to collect clams and crabs and things like that. So um, we just cook right on the beach over little twig fires. <laughs> I want to take my ne next trip with you guys. Yeah. It sounds like so fun. It's so fun. I wish I could. I was just I was with traveling with my friend Jonathan and um, I ran into him back in the city yesterday and he was like, I'm, I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm going to go back. You know, he's been back for a day and just like, I got to go back to Maine. <laughs> you're like, take me with you. Yeah. <laughs> but you're holding yeah. down the honey sport. Yeah, we're just just sort of setting up the outdoor dining situation, which has been really nice. We have a lot of space out here so yeah. people can really spread out. So it's you and your partner. Yeah, my own. business partner, Raphael. So Raphael Lyon is the mead maker. So he makes all the stuff in the winery. Got it. Um, and that's sort of his domain. And then I I run the, the bar cocktail program side of things. And yeah, so we're both here and just uh, working, working Living through the it. Dream. Living, Living the dream. Living the dream. <laughs> yeah. How'd you guys meet? We met in Providence, Rhode Island. And we were both living there. I, I went to uh, the Rhode Island School of Design and he went to Brown and so we're sort of living in the same sort of community and he was the sort of fermentation guy in town. Yeah. Um, so when he started, he actually moved to New York before I did and started working on the project and would come back and we'd talk about label designs and, and when I moved to New York we started collaborating and when he would go do a tasting at a wine shop or something I would come and make 
a cocktail with something that he was um, showing. Yeah. Because um, the, the fun stuff with the meat is it actually mixes really well. Mm -hmm. and oh, in it's a, a cocktail. Great, yeah, it's a great way to sort of introduce people to something that they're not quite familiar with. Um, you know, mix it with a, a spirit that everyone loves and everyone loves it. <laughs> My aunt actually went to RISD. Oh, really? What did you study there? Well, I studied um, furniture design initially. Um, oh. Yeah, and actually, so a lot of those skills that I got we built almost everything here ourselves. So all this stuff. We, so nice. Thanks. So a lot of um, woodworking and metalworking skills that I got from that program, I still use. So you went to college, you studied furniture design. Did you yep. think that's what you were gonna do once you graduated? Well, or? so I actually, I hated the furniture design program <laughs> and I left school for four years. Um, I, so I went for two years in furniture and then I was like, I don't want to get out, I want to get out of here. I had never like had any like independence and like I'd never yeah. been in a position to just, you know, follow any sort of creative whim, you know. So I took four years off and I started, was working in restaurants during that time in Providence and ended up going back and graduating in sculpture, but I was doing a lot of sort of food, environment sort of installations. Um, yeah. Like what? Can you give an example? Oh boy. Um, I, I made this uh, room that was a uh, sort of, uh, well, okay, it gets a little complicated because I was also, I, I got a job working at a sushi bar in Providence. Okay. So I was training with a sushi chef for like almost four or five years. Um, so I, <laughs> uh, so one, like one of the installations, I made this like blacked out room with um, all of this like sort of reflective material on the walls and this big acrylic dome in the middle covered in beautiful sushi. <laughs> and you go into the room and it's blacked out and then there's um, strobe lights coming from each angle at different speeds. And so the reflective stuff on the wall as it's illuminated from different angles seems to be like jumping around. Um, and then there's this acoustic element and so everyone just went in and then just started like devouring all this food and it like was chaos and <laughs> so these uh just sort of wild i don't know what, what you call them sort of immersive multi-sensory yeah, environments where there's food and smells and um sounds and it's really visually intense so. that's cool yeah <laughs> uh, so you were working for the sushi chef in providence yeah yeah, and then I, um, with the guy who designed Honeys, actually, we, we've been collaborating over the years, and we had a project together um, where we built a cart that we pulled behind a bicycle and made vegetarian sushi from, and we just go to little little bars around town. In Providence? In Providence, yeah. I feel like a lot of people that I've been interviewing actually are, like, trained in art, studied mm. art in college, yeah. or are just, like, artists at heart, yeah. and they ended up in food. So, I mean, I find, I find that to be really interesting. That's something I never, like, thought about before I started this. Um, mm -hmm. Do you, like, really see, like, an intersection between art and food mm -hmm. and drinks? Yeah. And, like, the restaurant space? Totally. Um, I, I think that's what keeps me feeling excited and, and inspired. Like, I see every little sort of drink that I make as a sculptural sort of multi-sensory experience. And then, you know, with Honey's being able to build a space that people inhabit. It's a large scale um, 
installation, mm-hmm. you know, multi-sensory environment. Yeah. Um, and I, I really like um, that aspect of it, and I feel like it keeps me feeling fueled. Creatively satisfied. Yeah. When did you learn how to first make drinks, or who taught you how to make drinks? Well, again, that was in Providence. Um, I, when I graduated RISD, I got a travel grant. And so I traveled around China and Malaysia and India for a year on the school's dime, which was nice. Yeah. Um, and when I got back, I got uh, a job at this uh, little restaurant um, with a bar. And I really wanted to learn how to bartend. And I always wanted to learn. Mm-hmm. And so I sort of like, um, you know, proved myself as a server for a little bit. And then I was like, I really want to like start learning how to bartend. And there was a bartender that had been there forever. She sort of took me under her wing and taught me. And it's like the first drink that you're, you were taught to make. Oh gosh, oh my god, you know what it is? Actually, it's called a surfer on acid. Um, and it, I, I wasn't taught by a bartender, but I was working on a block island one summer, and um, I uh, got really into drinking them. I mean, it's disgusting now, it's like, I can't believe. Uh, I, so you take a pint glass and you add, it's like equal parts coconut rum, and uh, Jägermeister, and then you finish it off with pineapple juice. And uh, I, I don't know, man, it's so gnarly. <laughs> Surfer uh, on acid. Surfer on acid, yeah. That was the first drink I ever learned how to make. But there, I, I, you know, it was just sort of a neighborhood bar situation. It wasn't like a classic sort of bar mm-hmm. training situation, which I've actually never really had. Yeah. Um, that sort of classic training, which, I sort of enjoy because I feel like I don't feel any need to like stick to any like um, protocols or rules or anything like that. Sometimes I feel like I miss that framework sometimes, but also all those resources are sort of at the, you know, there's so many great books and resources out there. So, but yeah, so I started learning how to bartend there. Um, And at that time when I was learning how to bartend, I was also making um, these sort of small, sculptures and fish tanks that were with different liquids and Mm -hmm. things of different weights and they were like uh there wasn't alcohol in them they weren't really meant to be consumed but you know realizing that that was probably the start of making cocktails for me more like visually complex and more sculptural yeah Um, so what kind of what kind of cocktails do you have here at honey's Oh, here at Honey's? You know, the Honey's cocktails are pretty simple. They're, you know, we're we're trying to keep it, you know, hyper local as all the products that we make. So what do we have? Um, You know, we're using a lot of the rooftop herbs that we're growing. We're uh, using the products that we make. So a lot of the a lot of the drinks on the bar here were made by bartenders working at Honey's. I also feel like it's pretty important to like let people have that sort of creative mm-hmm. um, input into the program, and I just try to you know give it the taste test and approval. Yeah. But uh, we use a lot of aquafaba here, which is a like a egg white alternative. It's um, the liquid from chickpeas, and um, so you, we make a lot of like foamy drinks and things with, with that and. We use a lot of Amaro, a lot of bitters, a lot of medicinal ingredients. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Yeah. Have you been making anything really great lately that you're excited about, like for yourself? Or? Oh yeah. Um, well, 
I've been I've been working a little bit with the Yola Mezcal team. Yeah. Um, and we've been playing around with Mezcal and Kombucha cocktails, um, which are really, really good. Just making like really drinkable, light Mezcal with really good Kombucha from our friends at Yes Folk Tonics in Troy, New York. Uh, so my, my, my quarantine cocktail drinking's like been pretty like minimal. Yeah. Trying to keep it really simple. The other thing I've been drinking a lot of is just gin and tonics yeah but I've been adding uh, the Monfifo little ginger shots a little bit of that and a little squeeze of lime and dash of bitters is really good superb yeah and easy I just feel like right now it's like it's got to be easy simple yeah, yeah. you got to give me a little recipe to share out for yeah totally the Instagram so people totally. can make something delicious at home oh totally um Okay, so just jumping back. So yeah. you were in Providence for a while. You worked, yeah. You worked for the sushi company, the sushi restaurant. You worked at the bar, got your bartending <laughs> chops. Yeah. When did you get back to New York and when did you open the doors here? Oh, so there was a good five-year period between moving to New York and getting Honey's open. Um, I, I moved to New York sort of by accident. I was... Uh, I was living in Providence, and uh, some friends of mine have a fashion company called Ekas Lata, um, and they're, they're, they were just, they had also just moved to New York, and they were doing their first runway fashion week show, showcase, mm -hmm. and they asked me to come down and make a drink, and so we did that on the Bowery, and I made this wild gin, I think it was an old Tom gin cocktail that was very visually uh, interesting. I had made this, like, sort of cornstarch slurry that I around the, the edge of the glass and it made this like spin art sort of thing and then there was hydrated basil seeds and these like three foot long lemon um, <laughs> zests and, and really it was just it was like it was like really over the top but everyone loved it the kitchen manager that was helping open the first uh, mission Chinese food on Orchard Street was there and they really loved the drink and were like oh you got to come and interview so I I came down and I got the job as a bar manager for the first oh. mission Chinese food on Orchard Street okay. when there was in that little subterranean space and I think I got that job mostly because I could um, when I went for the interview they were like oh we have this like plumbing issue in the front we don't really know what to do and I was <laughs> like oh well this is what you do and I helped them like rip out all these pipes and then they were like, and we also don't really, there's no dining room. And I was like, oh, I can help you with that. So I ended up building out a lot of the dining room and, and sort of doing the, you know, built the dining room and the bar. Um, so that was, uh, that's how I got to New York. Does the furniture um, still exist there that you built? No, but uh, there, there's some good pictures online. I was looking at them the other day. Yeah, I want to see um, that. Yeah, um, it was pretty rough. And then, you know, I was just working there and then I ended up, leaving it was like pretty mismanaged and it was sort of a hard environment mm -hmm. so um and i went and worked at diner for a while um bartending which was a great place to work and a little bar near my house called cafe dancer which is no longer open and then at mr fong's for a little bit and uh helped open dimes the large dimes when they first opened and did their little cocktail menu um, which is still one of my favorite drinks, the wheatgrass margarita is Ooh, on there. That's not, that's it's so not. good. It's just wheatgrass, tequila, lime. It actually has a little bit of vermouth in it and triple sec. It's yum. Yeah, it's really good. 
so what happened after Dimes? Uh, so during Dimes, we started working on this project and um, you know it took two years to um, even find this space. Um, because we're a manufacturing facility, we had to be in a M1 zone. Mm -hmm. So we needed to be in an industrial area close to people as much as possible, but all the usually the industrial zones are pretty far removed. So we got pretty lucky that we're close to the Jefferson L here in Ridgewood. And, and so, you know, we have our double doors out onto the street and um, so we can receive shipments off of semi-trailers and stuff like that. But um, yeah, it's a good, it's a good area. I really like it. So what year was that that you opened That was that 2000, 2016, June 6th, yeah, is when we opened the doors. Yeah, yeah, okay. What's been the toughest part for you owning your own restaurant and, and oh. bar I mean that I mean I think we're living through the toughest part to mm -hmm. be honest I mean everything up until this point has felt pretty exciting and like pleasurable even the even the hard stuff like you know the the toilet being clogged on New Year's and <laughs> you know having to get in there and deal with it you know in the middle of an enormous party that's all fun and exciting but this experience you know having to like lay off the entire staff on one day you know people have been working here since the beginning and mm -hmm. that was really hard and it it just made me feel like what's hard about run, running a bar or restaurant in New York is there's no room for for like uh, contingency plans things are we're so spread thin with rent and um, overhead and things like that that they're at least for us um, you know, it's a relatively small operation, and there just isn't, there wasn't an opportunity to save money, there wasn't um, an opportunity to really prepare ourselves for if something were to happen, and because I also feel, I felt like there wasn't any awareness that anything would happen at any point, so that was hard, and I feel like it's going to really change the way that I approach projects moving forward, because... Well, I think what it's just exposing is that there's nobody, nobody from business owners to people in apartments um, to landlords, nobody has a backup plan. Yeah. Nobody has any savings. And so when something goes wrong, it goes wrong for everybody. Mm -hmm. um, except, you know, obviously the very, very wealthy, but everyone aside from them, you know, there's just, there's no safety net really. And it's just, just when something goes wrong, it really goes wrong. What's next for you? You have any like fun projects or things in the pipeline outside of Honey's that you're working on? Yeah. Um, well, working on a um, bottle cocktail project with Yola Mezcal, um, which I'm really excited about. And um, you know, I'm excited to move a little bit away from having an on-premise location yeah. and moving a little bit more into. Um, selling products. Mm -hmm. um, I've been designing glassware um, with uh, my friend Jonathan also designed honeys and we did a sushi cart together um, and that's been a really positive experience like learning how that works and how manufacturing works and um, so I'm excited to sort of transition this experience a little bit into a new realm. I saw some of your glasses online they're so pretty. Oh thanks. thanks. Do you sell them on online? Yep, we sell them online. We sell them through Instagram. It's mamo.nyc. I'll post it on the Mamo.nyc. Mamo.nyc. Yeah. Same as the Instagram and the website are the same address. So 
I'll post it on the Instagram so people can look at it. Yeah. And yeah. Obviously, once you have more information about your bottled drinks, yeah, you gotta yeah, yeah. Share it with yeah, us. it's a little top secret right now, but you okay. guys know. <laughs> <laughs> we won't tell anyone. <laughs> I mean, that's cool. It's like also seeing how consumer behavior is gonna change. Yes. Like yes. Been thinking about that a lot. Same. You know, pre-COVID, I was doing a lot of large events, Fashion Week events, and product launches and all these things and actually right before this I was working on a project with Ekos Lada for uh, dinner with Ugg and I've been building a big cocktail fountain with my father who's a ceramicist um, and so this was pre-COVID you know we're talking about having a cocktail fountain that everyone just <laughs> fills their own glass from a stream so now we're going through COVID and you're like that is like such an insane idea that like there would be a communal pool of like a drink that you would drink from um, and it was gonna be a very beautiful thing and I hope at some point we can use it but I really think the at least from my perspective as a sort of cocktail maker the future is gonna be in on uh, bottled cocktails hopefully um, mm -hmm. bottled in a way that is not gonna add to environmental yeah. degradation so glass something recyclable um, which I think is important yeah and I think uh, I think the, the events are going to be drastically different um, but I think it's it's going to be a good challenge too and I think some interesting things are going to come out of it mm -hmm. so it's been so fun talking yeah thanks. the last question that I always ask yeah. is what's your favorite song right now Oh gosh. Um, you can give me a few if you can't think of one. I can't think of one, but I what I've been listening to um, is a, well two things. Emma, when we're we've been um, doing these like longer drives, um, she found this great Peruvian flute tape, cassette tape. <laughs> we've been listening to in the car that is so good. So I've been listening to that. Couldn't tell you the name of the song, but um, and then also listening to the NTS radio. They have a great app. They're out of the UK, and uh, they have uh, this great poolside mix that I've just been listening to. We've been playing here at Honey's Lot. Oh, cool. Yeah. You have to send, send that to me. And yeah. if you want people to contact you or if you're open to it, where yeah. can they contact you? Probably DM on Instagram. Yeah. I've been spread a little thin on Instagram running Honey's. It's Honey's Brooklyn. And then I also have my personal, which is Arlie Marks. Um, and I've sort of been ignoring my personal one and focusing more on honeys. So, either one. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank on. you. It's been fun hanging on the roof. Yeah.